Can I switch the recorder on? Yes, I can. Um, I say what I'm about, I've already said because of the recording. So I hope you won't mind me repeating myself. But at this point in time, I hope that you're at www.simplygod.net and that you go to Sundays together. Why? Because there is the passage for you and an outline and all the points, the main points are all there for you. Uh, so hopefully you're there. And above all else, because we want you to see that whatever we say comes from the Bible and you get to judge that for yourself. So we're in John chapter 10 from verse 22. Uh, so John 10 from verse 22. Our series at the moment is famous one-liners from Jesus. And today we're thinking about his words, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Those are the words we're going to think about. Now, I, on Friday, I took a day off and I went sailing. I have this little boat, a little trailer sailor yacht, um, which lives in a little place up in Wanneroo Road, cute little thing, very reliable little sailing boat. I hope you all kept the economy going while I was sailing on Friday. And uh, let me tell you what happened. Nothing happened because I picked the calmest day ever because I took my son with me and he's a little bit nervous about sailing. And so we launched at Ocean Reef and we ended up motoring all the way to Hillary's. We had a cup of coffee and then the southwest came up and it was a nice, stronger than I thought, but it was lovely and we had a little slippy slide sail back down to Ocean Reef. Nothing happened. Now I knew it was gonna be a nice day. So in the, you know, Sailors love to be, everyone loves to be fancy. There's a compartment in the back of the boat where you store stuff. It's a lanzarette. Why isn't it just a story, stuffy place? No, it's a lanzarette, but there you go. So anyway, in the lanzarette, I have life jackets, which is compulsory, and I wouldn't sail without them. But do you know what? I didn't check. Do you know why I didn't check? Because we didn't go out to sea. We sailed along the beach. I knew they were in there. I mean, who would take them out? I didn't bother checking them. And then we sailed back along the beach. You know, if, you know worst case scenario, you could swim to the beach. You know, I'm bad, you know, but they're there. Now, if I had sailed to Rotnest Island, let me tell you all, I would check those life jackets. I genuinely would. I would check, I've got my son and my daughter, so I need three. Yes, they're there, clothes, get the yacht ready. You know what I would do? I'd check again. Are you sure that? Yes, they're there. Okay. I would check my fuel because I've got a motor. I would check my fuel. I would triple check my fuel. Is the radio working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the difference? Uh, I'm a bad sailor. Is, is true, but what I mean is, what's the difference? Here's the difference. If I knew we were going towards danger, I would triple check. I knew on Friday it was so mellow, you know. At one point we were dead still, like going nowhere, and so we swam in minus 10 degrees water. Uh, do you get the difference? When you know that you're going to face danger, you triple check. Don't you? 
We all do that. If you think there's no danger, you're not going to check. It's, it's human nature. Now, Jesus Christ says that we're heading to danger. I'm telling you what Jesus says. Jesus says that we are heading to a day where every single one of us will meet God. That's what Jesus says. We're all heading to that day. One of the ways it's called is the day of judgment. That's one way you can call it. Or the day of wrath. Now, I'm not afraid to tell you this because most human beings on earth believe this. The Muslims fully believe there is a day of judgment and they believe that Jesus will be the judge. Christians believe it. In fact, as far as I can tell, the only religion that doesn't believe it is Buddhism. Buddhism says there's no judgment because they're not very clear on right and wrong. But for most of humanity, what I'm telling you is accepted. There is a day of judgment. And it is a terrifying day. And last week, if you remember, when we were looking at the words of Jesus, I spoke to you about those pictures on TV of that volcano in the Canary Islands. Do you remember? And that lava. And it was so scary. Well, if you've seen the pictures, I mean, horrifying. And I dropped the line like, God is worse than that. He's bigger than that. Who can stand before a God like this? Now, if we're heading towards that kind of danger, don't you think we should triple check? Don't you think we should be extra careful? Here's two things you need to check. Number one, are you sure that Jesus has got it wrong? So you might be sitting here this morning. No, I don't think there's a judgment day and I don't think I'm going to be in trouble. If that's what you think, that's okay. But triple check that Jesus has got it wrong. Make sure you know more than Jesus. Be very careful about that. So that's one option. But if you do accept that Jesus is telling the truth, well then triple check as well. Are you safe? Are you protected? And so someone this past week wrote into our website and ask this question. When does God give up on us? Someone wrote onto our website, and I encourage you all to ask your questions. We love questions. And someone dropped this question. If I sin again and again, how do I know that God's like, well, that's it, dude. I've had enough of you. How do I know that I'm really a Christian? How do I know that I'm really a Christian? Well, two things, again, two things you need to be clear about. Because there are two worries that every Christian has. Number one, I worry about me. Am I just too bad? How do I know I believe in enough? I worry about me. And secondly, I worry about God. How do I know that God is like, you know, I've had enough of you. Don't you all know that everyone has a, a limit? Don't you say to your children or some of you wives say to your husbands, I've had it up to here with you, you know? I've had it up to here. When does God say, I've had it up to here with you? 
Huh? When does God say that? When does God say, that's it, Dwayne, you have sinned for the 2,786th time, we're over. I don't mind if you sin 2,785, but once you go to 86, that's my cutoff point. I mean, does God have a number? What's the number? You know? I want to tell you this morning, all the answers are not with Dwayne, they're with Jesus. He answers all those questions. And that's why we're looking at this passage today. Two quick things. I know it looks like a lot, but it's not. And we're not going to look at everything in this passage, so don't panic. But look with me at John 10, verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. And it was winter. And Jesus was <clears throat> walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, <clears throat> is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, help us now to think and apply our minds to your word. And Jesus, please can we hear your voice. Amen. Well, if you look on your outlines, two things. First of all, I know I am a Christian because. I know I'm a Christian because. What would you put there? I know I'm a Christian because I don't watch Harry Potter. Or, or what, you know. How do you know you're a Christian? I know I'm a Christian because. What's the first thing you would say? This is not theology. What I'm doing this morning, as I do every Sunday and Wednesday nights, this is not a theology course. There is no correct answer. How did I do? Well, you got 86%. This is about life and death. This is not, I've got three life jackets, you pass. This is about, you're going to rudder, you're going to hit a, uh, you know, one of those big ships, and you're going to sink do you have enough life jackets? It's not an exam. This is life or death. Three reasons why you can know you're a Christian. Number one, today I hear Jesus' voice. That's how you can know you're a Christian, number one. Look at what Jesus says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Now, by the way, it's 
very easy to tell who isn't a Christian. That's very easy. Because look at what Jesus says. Verse 24. The Jewish people gathered around him and they said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. This is one of the reasons why we are called simply God. I believe that the more simple things are, the more deep they are. The more profound they are. Jesus, just tell us plainly. And so verse 25, Jesus said to them, I told you, and you don't believe. It's not just about hearing. Hearing must be, they all heard it. There must be more to hearing than just listening to vibrations in your ear. Jesus answered them, I told you, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. You do not believe. Why don't you believe? You're not my sheep. You're not part of my flock. We know who is not a Christian. Those who do not believe Jesus. You're not a Christian. You don't believe Jesus. You're not a Christian. So how do I know I'm a Christian? Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And there is no other way. Some people think you'll become a Christian if you see Jesus. Do you think you'd become a Christian if you saw Jesus? No, you wouldn't. Because these people Jesus is talking to were looking at him. And they still didn't believe. Uh, there was a fellow who once told me a story of these missionaries in Africa. And there was this dude who used to go to a mosque. And he converted, he, be, he converted from Islam to Christianity. And the reason was because one day he was in the mosque and he looked up and would you believe it, there was Jesus. He saw Jesus in the mosque. And so he converted and he became a Christian. Now, and now he goes to the mosque, but he still worships Jesus. Now, when I hear stories like that, I smile warmly and I move on. Because the truth is he did not convert. Because you don't convert by seeing Jesus. You have to hear his words. And besides, if you just think logically, everyone, what's the obvious question? How did he know it was Jesus? It was some bearded fellow with thongs. You know, it could have been you know, John Lennon. Who, you, you see Jesus, how do you know it's Jesus? You'll never know. So that's why we trust his words. I know these are his words. Because they're written down for me. Verse 24. They saw Jesus and they didn't believe. There is no other way to know you're a Christian other than today to hear his voice. So where do I hear his voice? Dwayne, I'm listening to you. And uh, it's a drone, trust me. So what, what do you mean hear his voice? Well, it's easy. His voice is recorded here for you. It's written down. These are the words of Jesus. These are his words. And so we listen to these words. We hear them and we acknowledge, yes, these are the words of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. So what does hearing mean? Here's how you hear your brain first gets the words, blah, 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 and then you understand them. And you go, 
Yes, and your brain says that is true. That's how you hear. Yes, that is true. Darling, did you make a mess in the kitchen? I heard those words. Yes, that's true. I heard them. But the second thing is you hear with your heart. Because your heart not only hears them, your heart says, and I endorse them. I love them. <gasps> so she says, darling, did you mess in the kitchen? Your heart jumps. Not because of fear, because it's your darling. Oh, I know that voice. I love that. Those who are Jesus' people hear his voice. And they listen to him. But the most important word is the word today. Look below at the bottom of your outlines, at the bottom of the outline. I've put a verse there from Psalm 95. I think Jesus has Psalm 95 in his head when he's saying this. Because listen to Psalm 95. <clears throat> it's there on your outlines. For he is our God. We are his people of his pasture. We are his sheep. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is Psalm 95. And here is Jesus saying those exact things. My sheep, hear my voice. In other words, here is Jesus who is God. Saying it's never changed. My people hear my voice. And they are my sheep. Why is today the... Whose birthday is it? Is there anyone's birthday today? Wow. What a strange day. Born on Halloween or whatever today is. But here's the point though, pumpkin head. No, anyway, I digress. Your birthday is not the most important day to you. What's your most important day? What's the most important day of your life? Today. Today is a gift from God to you. I'll tell you why. Today is the only day God lets you control. You can't control the past. Because no one can change the past. And you've got no control over the future. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You've got no control. So you only got today. And so God says, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't go hard. Go soft. Just today. That's all you have to do. If that's you, then you're a Christian. If today you hear God's voice and you don't harden your heart, you're a Christian. You're one of Jesus' sheep. And this is why our sign, look, today is a good day to hear God speak. It doesn't mean Sunday. It means today. The second reason why you know you're a Christian is because he knows me. Look at what Jesus says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. You're a Christian if you hear Jesus' voice and if he knows you. And I know what you're all thinking. Well, how does that help me? Because I don't know if he knows me or not. So, well, I'm telling you, he does know you. But, I mean, how does that help me know if I'm a Christian or not? Well, the answer is easy. Think of the comfort this brings. 
The only reason my wife loves me is because I've got her fooled. I have fooled her. And if she really knew me, she would leave me and probably the planet as well. In other words, I think if she really knew me, she wouldn't love me. And I think sometimes that that's how we think about God. We think we have to fool God. If he really knew how bad I was, he wouldn't love me. He would be done with me. And so we think we have to fool God. We think we have to be good or pray enough or put on a whatever, whatever, whatever. And then because I've got all these good deeds and good thoughts and I'm not as bad as I was, I've got him fooled. And he'll love me. But look at the comfort that Jesus gives. I know my sheep. In other words, he knows how bad you are. He knows. And he still loves you. It's such a comfort to me that we don't have to fool God. I don't have to have a perfect week in order to know that I'm a Christian. Because my sheep hear my voice and I know Dwayne and I know how bad he actually is. And I love him anyway. See the difference? It's an incredible comfort. God knows you're going to let him down. God knows you're going to do it again. Even though you said you're not going to do it again, you did it again. And he still loves you. Because that's the kind of God he is. And it's such a comfort for us as a church. I couldn't help listening to the way Isaac prayed. I'm always grateful when Isaac prays. Um, just saying about growth. You know, out there is Perth. Wow, this is hard ground. Who will ever become a Christian in Perth, eh? Let's all go somewhere else, you know. But Jesus says, I know my sheep. He's got his people out there. He hasn't called them yet. But he's got his people. He'll call them when he's good and ready. Just like he called some of you. Some of you were children. Some of you were like me. Called later in life. He knows them. And he calls them. You're a Christian. If you hear Jesus' voice. And because he knows you. Even if you're bad. Thirdly, and finally on this point, is I know I'm a Christian because I follow Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. A real Christian is someone who follows Jesus. That's all. We don't follow a church. We don't follow a person. We don't follow a theology. We don't follow a denomination. We don't follow a religion. We follow the man, Jesus. And that's what a Christian is. I follow Jesus. Now, over time, what will happen is that over time, you will slow down in your following your desires. You'll slow down in following your own will. When you first become a Christian, you hear his voice, 
He knows you. You want to follow him, but my goodness, you've got so much other stuff that you want to follow. But over time, you stop following those things and you follow him more and more and more. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus. You know, you will know this is true of you because Jesus is your heart's desire. You'll know. You never get tired of hearing about... I was joking with Isaac because I'm, you know, I'm always joking and they're all bad. But I was saying to Isaac this morning when we were sitting up, I'm not going to talk about Jesus today because we spoke about him last week. Can we just move on now? Okay, Jesus, you all got that. Let's move on. But you'll know you're a Christian when you never get tired of hearing about Jesus because that's what keeps you going that's what makes you happy that's your passion today if you hear Jesus voice today if you welcome his knowing of you you're not pretending you're not trying to fool him you know you're a sinner you know he knows you you're okay with that And if your heart's desire is to follow him, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. I don't know about tomorrow. But I don't care about tomorrow. Today, you're a Christian. And today is the only thing that matters. Now that's about me. Are you all tired of hearing about me? Because that's the first thing. If I doubt, it's triple check me, triple check me. Okay. Pass. Let's talk about God. What about God? Where is he in all? How do I know he's not? Okay, so I'm listening to Jesus' voice, and I know I'm a sinner, and I know he knows me, and I want to follow him, but maybe he's had enough. Well, that's the second thing. I know God will never let me go. How do you know that? Well, I'll show you what Jesus says. I know I can never lose my true Christian, can never lose their salvation, ever. Why? Because it's not up to you. Watch. Three things, and these are much shorter. Number one, Jesus is the Christ. I know God will never let me go. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. Look at verse 24 with me. So the Jews gathered around him and they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. By the way, you know, don't think all Christians are genuine. When they say to Jesus, tell us plainly, and he turns around and says, okay, I'm the Christ. What do you think they're going to do? Fall down and worship him? No, they're going to crucify him for blasphemy. They want him to convict himself. They're not asking to believe. They're asking to condemn But that's another whole subject. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but there you go. Verse 25. So Jesus answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. What's Jesus saying? I am the Christ. Now everybody hear this. Your security, your salvation is tied 
to Jesus's identity. Did you get that? The reason I know I can never lose my salvation is because of who Jesus is. He is the Christ. Look what the Christ does. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Now watch this. I give them eternal life. Not they deserved eternal life because then it's up to you. Not they um, keep going so they have eternal, it's up to you. They earned eternal life so it's up to you. No. The Christ says, I gave them eternal life. I gave it to them. And look what he says. And they will never perish. Poor Jesus, he didn't know, did he, how bad I was going to be. But, it, but he does know me. I know them. And he still says they will never perish. Jesus is the Christ. When he says things, he has the authority. And if Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice, they will never perish. You know what? They will never perish. Because he said so. It's dependent on his identity. Jesus does not say they will never perish provided conditional subclause one. Have you all read the fine print? There's no fine print. It's not up to you. It's up to him because he is the Christ. What's the Christ? What does Christ mean? Someone with authority. So look what he says. I give them eternal life, they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Oh my, you must think you've got a very big hand. He's the Christ. And his hand is all powerful. He's got a firm grip on us. So there you are. You go down to, where do you go down to? What's a dangerous road? I don't know. One of these roads where the trucks go down just shows you what a jindalup country bumpkin I really am. But down there is this big apple called Perth. Imagine you're there and it's a busy road and there's trucks going, you know, and, it's, and you've got your four-year-old with you. So what do you say to your four-year-old? Hold on tight, hold on tight, and these trucks go, and you're the parent, hold on tight, and you know what they do? What do four-year-olds do? And they run off in front of a truck. Boom! And it's, it's horrible. What do you do as a parent? You stand there going, I told you to hold on tight. How dumb are you? Why would you let... Is that what you do? You don't tell them to hold on tight because you think they can or they will. It's still the right thing to say. But you're not relying on that. What are you relying on? You're holding them. Your hand is bigger than their little paw. You do the holding. And so if they do let go, you hold them still. Jesus says, my sheep are in my hand. Some of you are going to let go at times. But he will hold you. 
Because that's who he is. That's what he's like. He's a better parent than anyone in this room. But there's another reason. Because this is why Christ came in the first place. And that's our second reason. Jesus was sent by God for this very reason. Have a look again with me. Christ does, does not just mean the one with authority. Christ has got a purpose. And he came into this world, listen, not to make salvation possible, but to save some people. And so look with me at verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. The Bible's never coincident. There's a reason we're told this, and that Jesus decides to teach this here. And it was winter, and look where Jesus is. He's walking in the temple at the feast of dedication. You're thinking to yourself, well, I don't see what the point of any of that is. Let me help you, and I'll be very quick, because we have communion today. But very simply, this is the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. Some of you will know it, and I'll be very quick. Basically, 200 years before Jesus, basically, 160-something, there was an evil general called Antioch Epiphanes number 4. And he destroyed the temple. Well, he didn't knock it down. But what he did was he went inside the temple. He was fascinated because he thought, this is amazing. Look at this. These people worship a God who's invisible. He went to the box, the Ark of the Covenant. Oh my goodness, it's empty. Why do you have an empty box? As, you know, he was blown away. Because every other people had their idols. Look at our gods. My god's bigger than yours. My god's naked and we ain't going to ponder or whatever, you know. Look, you know. Whereas he goes into the temple, he can't see the God. It's all invisible. He was fascinated. But he was also a vicious man. And to spite the Jews, do you know what he did? He took a pig and he sacrificed it on the altar. The abomination of desolation, according to Daniel. While the Jews, that whole temple was now out of bounds. It was, well, it was completely spoiled. Along came a guy called Mattathias. I don't have to, I'm trying to go as quickly as I can. And he had a son who was phenomenal. His son was Judah Maccabees, the hammer. And actually, to be honest, for those of you who are not yet fallen asleep, he actually was one of the guys who started guerrilla warfare. If you look at guerrilla warfare in the West, it can be traced to him. And he started fighting the Romans. And he won great victories. And in the end, he reconquered Jerusalem. Because he was a priest, Cohen, a priest, he cleansed the temple and rededicated it. And that's what this feast is. The Feast of Hanukkah. The Jewish people always remember the time when Judas, Maccabeus and his family reconsecrated the temple. Now, what's so special about the temple? That's the place where sin is dealt with. If you don't have a temple, he has a real question to a Jewish person. How does your sin get dealt with. You can ask any true Jewish person today, how does your sin get dealt with if there's no temple? It's a problem. A 
but they reconsecrated the temple. Now, everybody look with me at what Jesus says about himself. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. That's one of the main reasons I believe the Old Testament, but that's another subject. Verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. <gasps> What's Jesus saying? At the feast of consecration of the temple, Jesus says, I am the one. The Father has consecrated and sent into the world. What is Jesus saying? Just, Dwayne, make it simple like peanut butter. Jesus replaces the temple. Jesus is the place where our sins are dealt with. How can you ever lose your salvation if the Christ saves you because that's why he came into the world, to deal with your sin? And how did he save you? He died on a cross, and on that cross, your sin was dealt with. Past, present, future. He paid for all your sins by taking the lava, if I may use last week's picture, upon himself. He took God's wrath in your place. And so if you're his sheep, here's a genuine question, real question, what will God hold against you? You're a Christian. What will God hold against you? That he hasn't held against Jesus in your place. You're free. And finally, third reason you can never lose your salvation is because God's will can't be undone. Look with me. And this is the bottom line. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Oh my goodness. It was all along the Father's will that you become a Christian. It was his doing. He was behind everything. Look at that line. Verse 29. My Father who has given them to me. So here is the Father. Son... Have Dwayne. Son, I give you Dwayne. <gasps> Look what Dwayne's done. Give him back. You can't have him anymore. Oh, no, no. He's praying lots these days. Oh, he's getting better. Okay, yeah, Jesus, you can have Dwayne. Oh, I didn't know he'd do that. Give him back. Is that, do you, is that how God works? The Father gave you to the son. There's no earthly father here who gives his child 
a remote control, I'm suddenly thinking, that's exactly what I do. I take it back to play with myself. So that's a bad illustration. But most of you fathers don't give your kids stuff and take it back. And nor does our father. And look what Jesus says. He is greater than all. No one is able to snatch him out of the father's hand. Is anyone here confused? Because I'm thinking Jesus says we're in his hand. And then he says we're in the father's hand. Are you feeling a bit stretched? Am I in the father's hand? Am I in the son's hand? Whose hand am I in? What does Jesus say? I and the father are one. There is only one hand. The hand of Jesus is the hand of the Father. The hand that got a nail driven through it on the cross is the Father's hand. He won't let you go. That's his will. Today, if you hear Jesus' voice, no matter what you've done today, if you hear his voice, if you follow him, you are a real Christian. I hope none of you said, I'm a real Christian because when I was in high school, I gave my heart to Jesus. I hope you didn't say that. Because who cares about the past? Today is all that matters. Today. And when you wake up tomorrow, what will matter? Today. As in, you'll get Yes, okay. Good. If that's you, I want to tell you today, you can sail to Rottnest. Because you have triple checked. You have quintuple checked. And if the lava comes and you face God, you're as safe as any Christian who is in heaven right now. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. Why don't I pray? I'm happy to, I will just take one. No, let's say two quick questions. The musicians can come up so long and get ready because we're going to sing two verses and then we'll have communion together. But in the meantime, let's all just be quiet. Think about these things. And I will pray. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. I can't think of a better salvation than this. Where in the world will we hear a better message than this? Lord Jesus, I pray that every one of your people here this morning will hear your voice and go soft and be extra determined to follow you. How good you are. How amazing you are. How much we love you. Amen. Are there, um, uh, I know usually we have like 20 questions.